Beautiful Not Broken, your weekly inspirational hit of solid advice and life stories coming to you to help you rebuild from rock bottom. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for another episode of, well, actually, this is our first episode. So what am I talking about? Another episode. This is the OG. It is the original. And I want to start with a bang. This is Beautiful Not Broken, where we dive into the fact that you are not broken. It is a shitty life phase. You are still beautiful. You are always beautiful. You always will be beautiful in whatever the respect is you are, you've got this, you're coming out the other side, this is just a shitty phase. So let's talk about the shitty phase that I want to dump, jump into today. <laughs> Not dump. <laughs> oh God, how good is this podcast already, right? Um, all right. Yes, this has happened. This is your new reality. Boom. That is today's topic. And I'm going deep, like I'm going to catch you straight off the bat with a really deep episode and we're going to do it. We're going to go into it. And we're doing this because it's really important that you understand you are not alone in the way that you're feeling. I totally validate it. I hear you. I see you. I'm listening. I understand what you're going through because I've been there. Yes, this has happened, your new reality. So what were the words, hey? What was the thing that happened that dumped you Yep, that's right. We're using the word now. Dumped you into this new found reality that you thought, how the fuck did I end up here? And yes, language warning on this podcast because we swear. We get a little sweary. How the hell did you end up here? What has happened? How could this possibly be happening to you? You are just you. This happens to people in the movies. This happens to people, you know, this happens to other people. This doesn't happen to me. My life is easy. My life is comfortable. I'm happy, I think, I guess. Chances are, if you're in this situation and you're listening to this podcast, you probably aren't happy. And to be honest, you probably weren't happy before the event occurred, whatever that event is. For me, the first event that I was incredibly consciously aware of was my dad's death. So I was 21 at the time. It wasn't my first instance with death. I had actually lost my, oh, my sister, I guess. Like she was so close to the family. She was essentially my sister. I'd lost her when I was 13 or 14. But I found myself pretty unconsciously aware of what was going on for me then because I was so young. I wasn't really at any level to be understanding what was actually happening to me. It was just, it was just happening. And I was just having to deal with it in the best way that a 13 or 14 year old could, which is avoidance, right? Or like, you know, trying to process that shit, which yeah, teenagers, right? We can't process anything. So, well, that's actually a really massive generalization. Some teenagers are doing amazing things, but me personally couldn't process it. Then the first time I was really consciously aware of my thought patterns around that chilling moment where you're like, what the hell do I do now? For me, it was uh, a December afternoon. Uh, We'd just gotten home from our jobs. We were sitting at the dinner table and my dad just announced, my mum randomly is like, oh, I can't eat. I feel sick. I was like, what's wrong, mum? Like she was in a bit of a mood. And my dad said, well, kids, I've got something that I need to tell you. I've got cancer. It's terminal. And then, of course, all the questions started. Um... Yeah. And I just sat there going, what the fuck? 
this doesn't happen to me. My family's like normal. Like, you know, sure. My parents fight all the time and like, whatever, we've been through this other shit, but like relatively we're normal. Like, you know, we grew up in the Hills, like really pretty well off money. Like nothing's a struggle. Like shit's easy for us really like that's how I'd always thought about my life until like now that I reflect I'm like actually my life wasn't that normal because no one's life is that normal we've all got our stories right anyway this particular time I remember then we all just went off our own ways (laughs) like we asked probably a few questions and we sat there for like maybe an hour and then we all kind of like went off our own ways and then I remember just sitting on the couch and I think I was text messaging my friends I was like what the fuck just happened Like, I didn't even know how to talk about it with anyone. Like, I was like, how do I process this? Like, I have no way of dealing with what has just happened to me. And I remember thinking, this doesn't happen to me. This does not happen to me. I can't deal with this. This can't be happening because I just can't deal with it. And it became really about me. And I forgot about the fact that my dad was, well, I didn't forget my dad was sick, was very, like, was glaring me in the face. But I I was so focused on my reaction and my inability to deal with this news. And I remained that way for seven weeks while my dad struggled with the cancer um, and he was gone in seven weeks. And even after the fact, I was out partying. Literally, I was out at, uh, was it Good Vibes? I think it was Good Vibes. Within two weeks with girlfriends. Just, you know, live my life, live my best life as a 21-year-old does. (laughs) I did not deal with that at all. I just avoided it took a week off work. And I mean, that's a whole other podcast in itself is like, why does work not support us during these times? We get two days bereavement leave, like, come on, really? And then we have to use holiday leave. How much holiday leave do you think a 21 year old has? It's just been to Europe, right? That's what we all do at 21. You have those big trips, you're living your life, you're doing your thing. No one anticipates that something this heavy is going to land on you. So that was the first time I had to consciously deal with massive change, And look, I avoided it. And yeah, it changed me. I was not the same person after losing my father that I had been before losing my dad. And that's just the reality of any kind of loss is that it will change you. But we have the power to decide if it changes us in negative ways or if it changes us in positive ways. And we can make positive impact from these life changes because this is where shit gets real. This is where we're given the opportunity to grow. This is where we really get to learn who we are if we're willing to go down that path. And I cannot stress you that enough because in this situation, I did not walk that path. I walked the avoidance path. And let me tell you, everything you want to avoid right now, it is going to come and bite you on the ass when you least expect it. It's going to be like, hey, remember that trauma that you were trying to avoid? Oh, like I'm here now. And like, I want to play. And I want to play in the form of, mad depression and anxiety so that you can barely drive a car. I want to play so you can hardly move your career forward because you sit in meetings having constant panic attacks. That's how I want to play, guys. And that shit is real. So my advice to you, if you're dealing with this stuff, dealing with your new reality is don't avoid that reality. So this, unfortunately, is not the only time I've had to deal with new realities after, yes, this has happened, I got the news that my father-in-law was dying from cancer. At the time, he was not my father-in-law. It was my partner's dad, obviously. He he was once again diagnosed terminal, given a year to live. It was the nicest time, actually, 
being told something about the longevity of the cancer because with my dad, he never warned us how quickly he'd be gone. He never warned us that it was like, it was serious. It was really, really the last days that he had and this thing had been living inside of him for God knows how long. This time round, it wasn't just my reality that I really had to focus on. It was actually my now ex-partners and how their family was kind of going to deal because I'd been there. So I felt like there was this pressure on me to handle this better and I didn't. I avoided it even more. I escaped it even more. I went in my shell because, look, my partner wasn't a talker. He didn't want to talk about things. He didn't want to discuss what this diagnosis meant. And me of all people should have understood that but I actually struggled with it more with him than I did with myself. He was doing exactly the same thing I'd done, but years beforehand. And yet even when he was doing it, I didn't pull him up and be like, dude, stop this. Like you need to talk. I think there was an element there of, um, you know, different emotional intelligence levels and like, you know, where he was at in his own self-development journey and things too. Right. But me being me and having this experience, I wish I had really been more honest about my own experience but I wasn't I gave him this like textbook answer and like I stayed so surface level with him and now that I reflect on that I just don't understand why but that's why I'm getting deep with you guys I have a chance to deliver these important messages now that I didn't deliver when I should have to my ex-partner and, you know, when I should have been really blunt and really honest, like I should have let him see me crying when his dad got diagnosed, when he'd gone around there without me and told me not to come or asked me not to come. I can't remember why I didn't go around there, but I sat on the, I I, I said to him, all right, I want to clean the house while you're out. I sat on the bed crying for like the two hours he was gone because I was like, I can't believe I'm having another dad die. And it was raw, man. Like, and it's, it's raw now talking about it. Like, losing two dads, like, that was tough. And at this point, remember, we weren't married. And, you know, we hadn't had kids. So our kids were literally never going to have a granddad. Like, that was the reality we were facing. And I remember I was more upset about the fact that we were going to have this wedding with, with no dads there. So this was the new reality I was facing again. And... Did I cope well? <laughs> Not at all. I hid more and I hid my feelings to try and help my partner when I should have done the opposite. I should have been vulnerable with him and I should have been raw with him and I should have told him how this was going to affect his life because I'd been there. But the difference was with my dad with the seven weeks, it was so little time, there was no time to process it. Now having lived through my ex-father-in-law passing, the long time, the three years that he ended up staying with us on this beautiful planet was probably more challenging than the seven weeks of my dad because for three years you just kept wondering how really he was going because do all the scans, do all the tests, but there's this internal inside of you going, yeah, but how's he really going? Like how's his heart keeping up? How's his mental state? How... There's this constant question in the back of your mind, like, if we book that holiday, will he go while we're overseas? And I'll never forgive myself for that because my ex wasn't going to be in the country for that. You know, there was this, I told you we were getting deep, by the way, guys. There was this whole concern around that. 
So that was dealing with the new reality of that. And then once again, my life in 2020 shifted and I was dealt with a whole new reality that I'm only going to touch on briefly. And that was losing my job and having my husband turn to me at nine o'clock at night and say, I'm having a mental breakdown. I'm not happy with you anymore. I don't think I want us to be together. That of all the times I've thought to myself, shit, this doesn't happen to me. That was probably the one that hit home the most. But then you know what I thought? I rolled over and I was like, thank God. <laughs> and part of me thought that. But the other, then obviously the, the rest, I said to him, I said, I can't force you to love me. And I rolled over and tried to go to sleep. But the rest of the night was like, what the fuck am I going to do? I've not pictured my life with anyone else. Like this was my plan. You were my plan. I don't even know myself outside of you anymore. I have no life. And this was my new reality. I wake up the next morning. I was like, fuck, this is happening. <laughs> and I took it in my stride and I started thinking. For me, I'm a, I'm a person of vision. I always think about the next. And I think about, I'm, a, I'm definitely a fixer. And I think about, okay, how can we fix this? I go straight into fix mode. But sometimes things don't need to be fixed. Sometimes we just need to sit with stuff and move through it naturally and see, surrender a little bit. I wasn't very good at surrendering. And as I'd found out in all the, all the times that I'd seen loved ones going through cancer and all the times I'd seen these things, I wasn't good at surrendering and I was very, very good at wanting to go into fix mode. And well, sure, you may, the, the doctors might have said that, but you haven't tried this. So obviously when it came to my marriage, I went into fix mode, even though it was pretty evident I just chose to ignore it, but there was no fixing this. And I didn't even necessarily want it fixed. Like I did, but I didn't. I didn't want it fixed back to what it was because let me tell you, it had been hard work. It had been hard work for a long time um, and it had felt like an uphill battle. And it felt like I wasn't getting anywhere with him either because he just wasn't changing the way I needed him to, but that's wrong, right? Like we shouldn't want to change people. So this episode is all about your new reality, right? And when you're faced with having to face that. So when something happens out of the blue, like a cancer diagnosis, the death of a loved one, um, you know, like our husbands turning to us and saying, I don't want to be with you, or wives turning to us and saying, I don't want to be with you anymore. What do you do from that point? You need to pick yourself back up, and start thinking about your life. It, it's actually not selfish to get, I'm going to say selfish. It's not selfish to start thinking about yourself first. You need to decide what are the right steps for me in this moment? What do I need to get through this? Because you need to be the strongest version of you for you. And that's the most important thing and the most important lesson to learn when your reality is changing in front of your eyes is focusing on yourself internally, not avoiding pain, not avoiding the hard conversations that need to be had, not avoiding communicating how you feel and being authentic and vulnerable when you need to be and not trying to hide those feelings and those thoughts. So that's me. That's, that's a little bit of my backstory or very deeply into my backstory and the things that I have done 
in those moments of this has happened, this is your new reality, to both avoid those moments and those life-changing situations like crazy, but also to embrace them. When it came to a few weeks after my husband had announced this, I went into, well, this is my life. This is, you don't want to fix it clearly. You know, you're not showing up to fix this relationship. You're literally just not even showing up to the relationship anymore. So how the hell am I going to move through my life? Let's not forget, I just lost my job too, right? So there was the start of a pandemic had just hit and I was having to reimagine my career too. I'd been, you know, we'll go into that in another episode, but I was, had literally had this entire clean slate in front of me and I could have panicked and I could have said, I could have begged him to be with me. I could have been like, but you're the only one for me and I love you. And like those things were true. Like I honestly did believe he was the only one for me. I believe that our connection that we'd had all those years ago was so strong and that love is not enough. There's plenty of podcast, podcasts out there that talk about that. So we're not going to go down that topic right now. Love is not enough. There's got to be more than love. There's got to be a foundation there. There's got to be mutual respect. There's got to be both of you showing up every single day for that relationship. And I had a clean slate. So this time around, I did life differently. I didn't avoid shit. I avoided a few hard, I avoided a lot of hard conversations with my ex. I sat there a lot of days when I, I couldn't even turn to him and be like, well, what do you want to do? Because I didn't want to hear the answer. I wasn't ready to hear the answer yet. I had to get there on my own time. And I eventually did. It took months though, but I was doing the work. I was moving my life forward. I was building my company up because that's what I did from the job thing. I went out and I started my own company. And it's about following in these moments, we're literally given this platform to start fresh. We're given this platform to imagine our lives after the fact. When it comes to death, it's really challenging because you're left with this emptiness that no one warns you about. And it's really hard to kind of pick yourself up from that and be like, hey, I'm going to reimagine my life after this and it's going to be great because you couldn't imagine how the fuck is your life going to be great once someone's died. It's not about it being better because they're gone. It's about you not losing your way in their death. Because A, that's not what they would have wanted. But B, in death, we can learn a lot from someone else's life. We can live the we can realize the things they didn't get to do. What were their regrets? You know, like what didn't they do? And why why should we be living our life to the fullest to make sure that we make up for what they didn't do? Like what have you always imagined doing? Don't sit there and just miss them. Sit there and love them and remember them in that beautiful light. It was really, ch- it's really challenging, especially when you watch someone dying of cancer because you see them literally just like they're deteriorating in front of your eyes. And those last few days, for anyone that's been through it, you know what I'm talking about. Those last few days are awful. But that is not how your loved one deserves to be honored and remembered. And you shouldn't just sit in the sadness of their death. There is so much more to life than sitting in the sadness of someone's death. Yes, it is sad they're gone. But are they really or are they with us every single bloody day because we remember the impact they had on our life? And that impact they had on our life is what should propel us to do better in life. When it comes to divorce, are we going to sit there and let someone that couldn't love us the way that we deserved change our life for the worse? And let us sit there feeling like we can't do shit because we're. it it doesn't even have to be divorced, by the way, just a breakup. That person, or even if you've ended it, 
You didn't want to be with that person and it's painful and it's hard. They didn't want to be with you. There is reason behind that and there is gold that needs to come out of that. You need to do the work and figure out this new reality going forward. This is the new reality. You can't sit in that sadness and you can't avoid the sadness either. You need to work through the sadness to see why things didn't work and move forward with your life because that is what life is about. It's about living and it's about making the most of these moments where we're challenged and we're driven to our rock bottom moments. That's my message for you today. You can find me on Insta at Beck underscore chapel and find me there at Facebook as well at Beck underscore chapel. And I hope that you do reach out and connect with me. I would love to hear from you and love to hear how this podcast has impacted you and if it's helped. And I would love to hear your stories. So please reach out and have a great week.